my worth is based on my body now because um, I've worked so hard for it and people really see the like they see how good it is and they see how good I look and they must think that that's who I am is this healthy strong person that like, does all this exercise and that's who they see me for um, they don't see anything else hello and welcome back to the next episode of the trail running woman podcast I have a fantastic guest for you today named Claire Wilkes and she is another English guest. I don't know how I have just become neighbors to the UK, I feel, with my group of friends. Uh, my son actually the other night called Katie Kate. Um, so the English people have taken over my life and I am interviewing another one of them today and she is awesome and I love her. And we do know each other and we both had COVID at the same time and thought, what else are we going to do but talk to each other via internet world? So we did. And one of the things that we talked about was she listened to the BMO recap and heard me talk about the voices in my head at the end of the race and how ridiculous they were and kind of trying to overcome those. And she has been through a lot of that to do with running and body image and coming to a new country and trying to basically differentiate what she wants to do and what she thinks she's supposed to do because that's what people are saying as far as workouts, running, eating, how you should look, and the kind of journey through diet culture and then coming out the other end and being able to look back on it and seeing how ridiculous it is. She's also just very smart and well-spoken, so she's an easy one to listen to. You guys are really going to love everything that she has to say. She's now eating muffins if she wants, running the distances she wants, and you are immediately impacted by her energy when you meet her. So that's the thing that stands out, and that's the goal that we should all have. So I will let Claire tell the rest of her story, but first I want to talk a little bit of our sponsors. We have a couple of them for today's podcast. Well, I guess a thruple. First is Knack Bar, who is a proud sponsor of this podcast as another Canadian company, and their mission is to be committed to build the most efficient and sustainable fuel for every athlete. It's based on one radical idea, long-lasting energy powered by high-quality and sustainable ingredients, or as they call it, ultra-fueling. So what I love is their commitment to sustainable ingredients and sustainable packaging so that we can enjoy the world that we live in by running a long way through it and also take care of it. So if you want 15% off and they ship all over, check them out at knackbar.com and use discount code TRW. The second sponsor for today's podcast is Gooder Sunglasses. You guys know that I'm absolutely obsessed with them and I just had a tennis match yesterday and wore my Gooder Sunglasses and my opponent was like, oh, I have the same sunglasses. I absolutely love them because I can see the tennis ball and they don't slip off my face. And I said, let me just tell you about this podcast I have and the discount code you're going to get. It's TRW15 for 15% off at checkout. Oh no, I might have told her that it was just TRW. I'm going to have to tell her. Anyways, if you guys go check them out, they have so many cute new colors. If you go to the Marvel ones right now, oh my God, Captain America's UV shield, it's a soft J, Wakanda Finders, these new colors, oh my God, Jarvis Vision, I'm obsessed. Check them out. Use discount code TRW15 for 15% off at checkout. They are absolutely stunning 
stunning and you can get a whole new set for the new year, for the new summer season. The last podcast sponsor for today's episode is Spartan Trail. So you guys have heard me talk a little bit about them. They are an amazing company that is started with obstacle course races and now they're getting into the trail event world. And the cool thing about their events is just the family friendly aspect of them. So I am definitely stoked to get into a race next year with them, with Baker. They have everything from 5Ks to ultra marathons. The Brisbane Trail Ultra, absolutely gorgeous. That is this July, everything from 10K to 100 miles. We've got West Virginia. The list goes on. I will not read all of these. Scotland, North Lake Tahoe, uh, Pretty amazing stuff, and I have a discount code for you guys for a free race entry, okay? A free race entry, and I have a limited number, and I've gone through a few, so we are ticking away. If you want your discount code, you have to go to Instagram now, post a picture of yourself training, tag at Spartan, at Hillsport55, and hashtag Spartan Trail. Those details are in the show notes as well, but it's super simple and I will DM you that discount code. Hey, that's all. Thanks, you guys, so much for listening to those. Please enjoy Claire, and find me on Instagram at hillsport55, and if you want a backlog of 35 episodes that are now on Patreon, a link to that is there, and I will keep adding more and more up there because we are now on episode 178 or something absolutely crazy, so we've got loads to listen to. Thanks, guys. Here's Claire. All right, we are here today for the COVID edition <laughs> of the Trailer and Women podcast. I'm uh, with my friend Claire Wilkes, who also has COVID from a different source, Ooh. as do I. So, so bear with us. Uh, welcome to the show, Claire. Thank you, Hillary. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, COVID or not. <laughs> this is not what the topic is. It's just no. funny that we both have it, and we sort of thought we were kind of over COVID, and I did have it a few short weeks ago, and then ran a race on Saturday and didn't feel good and lo and behold it was the start of COVID and Saturday night was a piece of shit so here we are what we're talking about today is body image racing and sort of how it develops over time and I know we have spoken about this topic on trail tips and gotten everybody's ideas but Claire reached out after the BMO recap because I had mentioned some of the negative self-talk that I had and it kind of sparked some memories for her and I think it's an interesting topic to revisit it's a good story so we'll get into it before we do Claire why don't you tell us how old you are where you're from and uh your elevator pitch how old I am Hillary I didn't know I had to expose my age Uh (laughs) sorry that's all right. <laughs> um, I am 37 years old. Um, I live here in Vancouver, but I'm originally from the UK. Um, I've lived here in Vancouver for just over six years. Um, yeah, and I guess, um, what else do you need to know about me? I've been a runner for probably, I guess, about 12 years or so. I started in my kind of like mid to late 20s, like very casually, um, sort of burst onto the Vancouver running scene, if you can call it that, uh, because um, when I moved here, a good friend of both of us, Holly, um, who I know from back in the UK as well, was like all about going to all the group runs and everything like that here. So like got pretty involved pretty quickly when I moved here in the summer of 2016. Um, and yeah, then for five years, um, managed um, a, a running store here in Vancouver, Vancouver Running Company. Um, 
so I've been pretty immersed in the Vancouver running scene for that sort of time um yeah and I'd say like my running is um I've never really taken it super seriously um which I'm sure we'll talk about a little more a little bit more when we get in, when we get into the topic but yeah I wouldn't consider myself a super serious runner especially not these days um just really enjoy getting out and I've always done a mix of road and trail yeah and just really like running with friends and going on fun adventures and doing cool things that's it that's my running elevator pitch well that was very good for being put on the spot I'm quite impressed <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> I've had a lot and of job I'm interviews recently maybe it's like coming naturally to me now to like <laughs> just be able to pitch myself quickly <laughs> okay so let's get into a bit of your story and yeah. uh so you start running 12 years ago when hmm. you were in Australia yes and you mentioned in your bio not really feeling a lot of diet culture pressure at this time. Yeah, I would say. Then you moved to London in 2012. Yeah. And got into CrossFit and paleo eating, which is, I think, one of the main things that um, has really changed the, like, trying to be skinny to trying Mm -hmm. to be this perfect muscular look is kind of what happened to me, I feel like. Um, Yeah. So why don't you tell us a bit about that move to London and how things shifted? Yeah, I'd say I was pretty lucky, really. Like, I remember, I do remember, like, throughout like kind of university and like traveling and stuff people like being aware of diet culture and like people kind of wanting to lose weight and all that kind of stuff but I never really felt that bothered by it I think I just it sounds maybe it sounds weird but like just really liked food and I didn't really care I was like I'd rather like eat the food than I would like lose weight um which is a good mindset to have um but yeah I didn't really recognize that at the time um and yeah, when I first started running, it didn't, you know, I knew nothing about like run fueling or anything like that. Um, and just kind of casually ran five and 10 Ks here and there, uh, went to the gym a little bit. That was, that was kind of it really. But yeah, as you said, when I moved to to London, um, it felt like I almost moved to a different place. It felt like the sort of wellness culture was really like hitting really hard um, at the time. And yeah, the colleague that I had that was really into CrossFit and paleo was a, a massive kind of influence I suppose on how my I guess my wellness journey at the time and I would never I just want to say I would never blame her for any of what I'm about to tell you like how everything spiraled for me um but I just think it's an important it's important to note that like it was such a huge um piece of of why my kind of mindset around the diet culture and wellness changed because it seemed like the CrossFit kind of culture was very much like very regimented like you know very strict workouts and you know very strict eating habits through like paleo eating and stuff and yeah they had these challenges where it would be like a month of eating clean and I'll use that in inverted commas but um you know that was it was it was very rule-based and very regimented um and I think just it was really kind of interesting to me as well that they didn't focus so much on being um so-called skinny but more that kind of like strong not skinny you know when like that hashtag was a whole thing um that really kind of um it was sort of disguising diet culture as like just strength um which obviously is super problematic but you know to the untrained untrained eye it really sounded like um a good thing that we wanted people to be strong um yeah so that's kind of how that all started and I you know started on this journey of like wanting to be strong um um, but unfortunately with that came like losing a lot of weight and being really controlling around eating um, and all that kind of stuff too. Yeah, of course, I would never blame anyone because it mm. sort of took us all by storm, I feel. 
Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And you make such a good point that it was kind of disguised as this. Yes. Um, and so how did it affect you and what you were doing day to day? Um, really, it was, I guess it was a fairly gradual change. Well, I say that, but yeah, it was, I went from kind of probably running, as I said, kind of 5Ks, 5K or so, like two or three times a week and maybe going to like random gym classes and stuff here and there, um, you know, exercising maybe four times a week um, to exercising pretty much daily, if not twice a day um going and the exercise I did was no longer just kind of like you know random or whatever it was I was going to these boot camps like like hit style boot camps um that were extremely intense and basically working out till like you felt sick or like you know I just remember like go, I'd go to these workouts at like six in the morning work out like a crazy person for an hour I then like bike home and I just remember like always being feeling absolutely spent but feeling like that was a really good thing because I was like I worked so hard this is awesome um and then like I wouldn't have time to eat breakfast at home so I'd just like have a mad dash to get to work get to my desk at work sit there and eat breakfast and be absolutely starving all the time because or every day just because you know just worked out so hard and then not recovered properly um and alongside that was then this kind of eat the control around eating which I really disguised as just like eating healthily um but you know looking back on it it was so controlled it was like you know basically trying to eat clean um as much as I could and like basically apart from breakfast where I'd always like eat um oats and stuff like I would always restrict myself basically to like no carbs and carbs would basically be a, a treat or even like a cheat day thing for me which was you know, thinking about that now is insane. But yeah, at the time, that's just kind of the space I was in um, and just got so obsessed with it. Um, I really thought that like what I was doing was super healthy um, because, you know, it was all fruit and veggies and it was all, um, you know, clean proteins or like healthy proteins. Um, again, I just want to highlight that saying clean and healthy and like kind of inverted commas because I know they can be really like triggering words for people. Um but yeah, those, you know, those things were all I ate. And then, you know, things like if I ate one thing that I deemed to be like off limits, like maybe even, even this is the saddest thing, like people would have like birthdays in the office and things. And if I had a, like, I would either not have a piece of birthday cake or like I'd have it and then absolutely tear myself up about it for the rest of the day, or just go completely the other way and be like, oh, sorry, I had a piece of cake today. I'll have six pieces of cake today and then feel like shit for the rest of the day. And like, kill myself the next day in a workout trying to like burn it all off but this to me was like you know the way that I had to do that I should behave for some reason um but yeah it was just it was the the level of control I wanted to put on eating and my body was insane and honestly I just had no idea that I was doing that at the time and it just to me felt like I was doing a really good and healthy thing for my body um yeah and then I guess the other piece to that is the that um the sort of external validation from people came in pretty hard. Like, you know, people complimented me on my weight loss, told me how amazing I looked, how like skinny I was and how inspired they were by how hard I was working or how healthy I ate. Like it was like a badge of honor to be like working this hard on something. Um, and that kind of like, well, I'd never, I'd never, I'd never had compliments like that on my looks or my body before. So I was like, flabbergasted and thought I'd won the lottery because and then of course like thought that that's the the absolute gold standard for like life is to be skinny and to 
have all these compliments from people but yeah it's it was a really weird space to be in and I look back on it now and I cringe so hard at like how much validation I took from other people's comments about weight loss and how I looked at the time yeah it's so weird and strange or odd is kind of the only way that you can explain it because I know exactly what you mean where like Mm -hmm. when you are saying out loud like I'm restricting, I'm beating myself up. Like there's nothing really positive that you're saying, but at the same time, and maybe just from my personal experience, I know the satisfaction that you're getting from it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's like, this is such a mental fuck. Like how can it be obviously not fun, but at the same time, and I guess that's what they talk talk about with eating disorders is like, it's the control and feeling like you're the one that gets to decide how your body looks and what you're going to put in your mouth and like the more control you exercise over that particular thing like the better you feel and then having other people notice like oh wow look at yeah I think how the, good you must be yeah the weirdest thing you know, like, is, weird. yeah I think the weirdest thing as well um is just like yeah that kind of the the fact that I at the time actually really liked my body I was like but almost to the point of obsession, which might sound ridiculous, but like, I was just like, you know, getting all this validation from people. And I knew I was skinny, like, you know, based on like clothing size and all that kind of thing. And the fact that I dropped like a couple of dress sizes from what I was prior to all of this. Um, But, you know, I'd never, I've always been pretty, well, I'd had some body hangups, but like, I'd always been fairly neutral about my body before that and then I suddenly became like absolutely obsessed with it but in a weirdly good way and I was like I must keep this up because I look so fucking good I must have to keep this up because this is like all I'm like I guess it comes down to worthiness as well it's like this feels like my worth is based on my body now because um I've worked so hard for it and people really see the like they see how good it is and they see how good I look and they must think that that's who I am is this healthy strong person that like does all this exercise and that's who they see me for um they don't see anything else uh, which is super sad to think about now but at the time that's really what I thought my worth was built on was like how I looked totally and that's just kind of what society says it should be too Mm -hmm. and I remember having the opposite frustration when like if I didn't look super ripped but I know that I am working out more than other people to be like they don't know how hard I'm working because my body's not showing it and therefore mm-hmm. like I'm angry um, yeah and I think which that's is equally as weird yeah and I think that's where the kind of the running bit overlaps for me a little bit is that like running has never been something that like has like made me lose weight um I've always like when I've at the periods in my life when I've been running more like during this time when I was living in London and doing all this mad exercise, I, I ran my first half marathon and I ran my first marathon. And during those times, I actually did put on weight. And like that, like at the time it was like, I couldn't, I found it hard to deal with because I was like, you know, just so obsessed with being so skinny. And like, you know, I, I, it was, it felt to me like losing control of what I had like worked so hard to like to get. But as much as I knew that I was working hard to, like trained for these races it uh, I don't know it just like didn't it, it I really struggled then with like you know what that meant in terms of like people how people thought of me and I think that was the main thing was like you know I freaked out about like sort of thinking I'd put on weight and I was like oh god I know people know I'm training for this race and so they know that you know I'm running hard but like what if they think oh she's put on weight and you know 
that's mean she's not working hard enough or something I don't know what they but you know your mind just takes you to ridiculous places in those situations as well doesn't it totally and the funny thing is too nobody else gives a fuck no you're running <laughs> your body you know like we're all just worried about our own I know I think that's the stupid thing isn't it? it's like nobody gives a shit about what your body look, looks like apart from you and also nobody gives a shit about like how fast or far you run apart from you as well so that's those kind of two pieces that go together really well in that kind of yeah just it's seeking external validation bit as well isn't there so yeah and it's almost relieving when you're like oh no one actually <laughs> cares what I do but that's kind of nice yes <laughs> so did you find at the same time as like feeling guilt if you did eat the cake at the party or um that type of thing that you were having anxiety um before things happened like oh my god I can't go to this party because I won't be able to track what what the food is at the restaurant or anything like that yeah to an extent yeah like I definitely I know like one thing I really liked to do in London was to you know try new places to eat because there's tons of like awesome places to go and, and and try out um and I would plan those particular meals on particular days, you know, but then, so I knew that, you know, I could, it would be a so-called cheat day or whatever, or I would look up where we were going in advance and check that there were like healthy options that I could eat. Um, and, you know, same with, you know, going to people's houses or whatever. I remember, you know, thinking if I was going to stay with friends for a weekend or something or going to a birthday party or whatever, I would think in advance, like, oh gosh, okay, that day there's going to be like, loads of cake or there's going to be like massive barbecue with loads of food that I'm going to want to eat and I know I'm going to stuff myself there so you know I would compensate with other things I'd either like you know not really eat very much beforehand or I would um you know restrict myself from what I ate beforehand or I you know make sure I worked out like more than normal or I mean sometimes it was just you know the normal amount but still like you know making sure I worked out prior to these events or doing whatever it was I had planned um was a big part of that as well which is a horrible place to be in and it's horrible to like think back again and to think like when I think about it now like I thankfully moved a long way from that but I just I just remember like that just took up so much space in my mind all the time um and I don't know how I managed to go that long with like thinking about that just constantly basically yeah well all of us and yeah. a lot of people still doing it yeah yeah so the one thing I noticed about your story too that I think is uh is kind of common is like you talk about being weirdly proud of your body and having almost like the the honeymoon period of when you start this and you're like this is awesome mm-hmm. um and then your body can't stay being underfueled and overworked so eventually things start to break down and I know yours was kind of coincided a little bit with um, moving to Canada and training for a marathon Mm -hmm. Um, but let's talk a bit about I guess the like breakdown of treating your body this way and uh, both both doing the marathon and then when you moved to Canada and and how things started to basically lose some of that control yeah yeah absolutely um yeah, I think when I trained for the marathon, I I knew, and I was like pretty like, I followed a lot of you know run pe- running people like running influencers on Instagram and stuff at the time, and like read a lot of like blogs and stuff because that was kind of the the day with the the time we were in um in like what was it about two thousand fourteen fifteen I guess, um 
so I knew that I'd like have to fuel better to or like fuel with different things to to do long runs and that kind of thing um and yeah I think that's that was part of like the kind of slight shift in like wanting I knew I wanted to eat different things because I knew that like when you know I allowed myself to have those like fuel me like fueling meals or like refueling meals afterwards like with lots of carbs and things and you know lots of treats and stuff I really enjoyed that and as much as it felt like losing control it was also like almost I don't know like kind of peaceful as well if that makes sense does that sound a bit weird but um yeah just I knew that that's like what my body needed but I just like it was hard to shift into that like mentality of knowing that it was actually what I should be eating rather than um just for the sake of fueling for a race um and then I think when I moved to Canada um I don't know I think I don't know if it was just like the change of country like just a having to move to you know moving to a different country and just like having everything shifting around me just things just I guess I just had to think about other things rather than eating all the time (laughs) um and like you know strange things like that I hadn't really anticipated like groceries being super expensive in BC really factored into some of the things that that changed my eating habits because like you know I used to eat like as I said like protein and veggies for most meals but like buying protein all the time here is really fucking expensive so I just didn't do it that much um and had to shift to like a slightly different diet um and you know just constantly felt like I was kind of playing catch up to the life that I used to lead in the UK um and for a while I really fought it but I don't know I just I just kind of I think that just my mindset just started to shift and um I just wanted I knew I wanted to spend less and less time thinking about what I was eating I really remember just like walking down the street near my apartment here and like thinking about the fact that for so long of my life like I guess the whole like restrictive eating thing went on for um probably three or four years um but for that whole period you know every time I went to a coffee shop I would like look at the muffins and baked goods and stuff in the cabinet and be like oh I really want one of those muffins but like if I eat it, I'm going to have to like feel guilty about it for the rest of the day. But if I don't have it, all I'm going to do is think about it for the rest of the day and how I wish I'd eaten it then. Um, and I just remember, as I say, walking down the street and thinking back on those sorts of thoughts and feelings and being like, I don't want to waste my time on this anymore. Like life is too short to like, just think about muffins all the time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> life is too short to think about muffins all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
speeds were as well. So, you know, you're training for races and, you know, or, you know, even when just running, running normally. And like, I know you've talked a lot about the, about Strava on the podcast before, and like that can definitely be um, a big factor in kind of um, worrying about, or even just like noticing things like paces or how fast you're, sorry, how far you're running on a weekly basis and really comparing that to other people, which is really tough. Um, So yeah, I think that can like faster, that plus the like faster, or sorry, skinnier equals faster kind of piece was really a struggle for me. And, you know, I think um, there's definitely been points in this kind of journey of recovery, I suppose, that's um, that's really kind of um, been hard to reconcile those two things um, because, you know, my brain really wanted to tell myself and did I did still like tell myself, like, it doesn't matter what you look like, you know, you know, like I was eating a lot better and fe- just generally feeling a lot better um you know not having any no longer having like crazy cravings once I started to like eat um more I guess more consistently and you know consistently eat more carbs and consistently just fuel my body better and not over exercise um that was you know that's a big piece and to say I just kept I kept telling myself that it didn't matter what I looked like and it didn't matter how fast or far I ran um but as I say there's still that pressure to like I felt anyway to like look a certain way in order to run a certain pace or a certain distance and things like that um and I think as well like working in a um a running store for such a long time you see that messaging on other people too and that was that was really hard to see because you know you'd you'd hear people saying that you know they they didn't think they were they didn't think they were actually a runner because they'd never run a marathon or they talk about, you know, what they ate all the time or, you know, what they, how much that they wanted to lose weight to like get faster or they wanted to like uh, run more to lose some weight. And, you know, I think I just, whereas previously I would have like agreed and been like, yeah, you know, I feel the same. Like, you know, I've been doing X, Y, and Z to like lose weight and give people almost like weight loss or like fitness tips, which is Ugh, makes me feel sick when I think about that kind of <laughs> subscribing to that myself um but I sort of I remember getting to a place where people would say these things and I just couldn't reply anymore because it didn't feel genuine so basically just kind of stand and nod um but yeah it was it just felt like the that messaging comes from so many places um it's really hard to ignore um even though I think like the running world is kind of moving along in some regard in some respects it's um, there's still a lot of work to be done there too. Yeah, a lot of work. And mm-hmm. it is like some places and the people you surround yourself with can be a lot better. Like all, all a lot of our friends have kind of moved mm-hmm. um, on to better places. And then there are still some people, I find that like this has kind of been a struggle in their life too. And they've said, you know, I can't have this stuff around me. And then their comments are like equally as destructive and mm-hmm. like talking about, but I don't know, just, re- I don't even know where I'm going with this, but I think you just have to be really careful on mm-hmm. like what you let yourself engage in. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's really hard to kind of come out the other end, I guess is what I'm trying to summarize. Um, 100%. Because I went through so much I found with the BMO, like the road marathon stuff mm-hmm. that there was a lot of, comments um that I had to deal with that like I hadn't had to deal with in the trail running community Mm. and I wasn't really prepared to 
to just like let it be water off a duck's back yet. Um, and it took more, I guess, concerted effort to kind of not let those things bother me. Yeah. And I have to say, like, when you said after BMO, like, you know, literally right after when we were sat having a drink, you know, that you had experienced, like, people in the medical field telling you that you weren't slim enough to run a um, a so-called fast marathon. Um, and, you know, get, having people kind of make comments about your body when you're training and, you know, being surprised at how fast you are because you're so, like, you're such a strong runner. And, like, it's wild to me that, especially from people that, aren't even in a position to like well nobody's in a position to comment on anybody's body anyway but like especially from people that aren't you know shouldn't be making any of those comments to suddenly feel like they have the right to say to you you are not you don't look the way you should in order to do this thing which is so fucked up it's crazy yeah exactly and just being like uh, what and then yeah. <laughs> like if you can let that bother you for another week or if you can just be like, that was totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's totally bananas. But one other thing now I've kind of lost my train of thought thinking about, thinking about all that <laughs> craziness. Oh yeah. Okay. So you talked a bit about how um, ironically COVID kind of helped you move forward with this. And I kind of can relate to that because having a kid, I think helped me mm. move forward with it where there's something suddenly that is more important and bigger staring you in the face that you are like, Oh, I don't actually have space to give a shit about five pounds Mm -hmm. when like, I'm sort of worried about, you know, keeping this baby alive or my parents getting a virus that might kill them. Mm -hmm. Um, And for you, it looked like with races being out of the question Mm -hmm. that you didn't have to race and then you could reevaluate why you race and then suddenly you're kind of able to see everything a bit a bit clearer so did you have a particular moment where you were like oh my god I've been viewing running the wrong way or what was it about COVID for you that shifted things um I'm trying to think if there was a a specific moment I did what has just coming to mind as you were talking there is that I remember like through that first part of COVID in like spring 2020 when we were, you know, in a lockdown and we weren't allowed to see anybody and, you know, doing everything on our own. Like I remember continuing to do like weekend long runs, um, even though there were there were no races. And I just remember occasionally like I, and that was also a time when people were going out and like doing mad like virtual or even just like personal challenges like you know they'd go out and run a marathon on a Sunday just because they had nothing else to do and like was just why not we'll just go and run a marathon for no reason because I've got to do something on my own um I was just a bit baffled as for one as to why people were doing that um and thinking to myself a few times like should I go and like run a longer distance and I do remember I had this like weird thought one day that um you know some people will go and do like that two bridges loop or they'll run over like the Lionsgate bridge and the second arrows bridge um and like the I guess the spirit trail and the seawall in between um and I nothing about that has ever been like that looks cool to me no I know but for some reason (laughs) at one point during COVID I was like maybe I'll go and do that like maybe I'll just spend an afternoon doing that because I haven't got anything else to do I just couldn't bring myself to do it and I was like why do I want to run these long distances um I think what I'm trying to say is like there was I I would do like a a longish run of like I don't know 15-ish k maybe a little bit more maybe a little bit less once a week um and that just sat really well with me and a couple of times I tried to do a bit further was just like no can't be bothered don't want to um and aside from like 
trail adventures that I've done through COVID that have been kind of done a couple that have been sort of around 30k ish. Um, that's really all I've done of any kind of distance. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There was that's just coming to mind as as what kind of shifted a little bit. Just just not really realizing that I didn't really get much pleasure from running more than like 15 to 20 K for without any kind of purpose. Um, and just, I don't know the last year, I guess year or so really since races have started coming back in, in, um, on the scene as much as I, you know, admire people like you and Katie for training super hard for like a, for a, a road marathon, um, you know, during BMO, like our friend Julie uh, straight away when she'd seen you guys was like, I want to, I'm so motivated. I want to sign up for a race right now. Like I can't wait to get into it. And I just like had nothing there. I was like, eh, I don't know, like still quite happy, like running 15 to 20 K and just leaving it there. Yeah. I totally know that feeling when you kind of find your happy place with running. And I think during COVID I found that too. And then I've had to try to be conscious of not getting swept up into races and and find that balance again. Um, Because at the same time, I do love the events. So it's like kind of a catch 22 of really holding true to yourself. Um, But one thing I did want to ask you about as well, we did have Phil's in on the podcast at the beginning of COVID actually. So two years ago almost now and and you said that you wanted to shout out to her and project love run to opening your eyes to so many of the things um about the running kind of thinness diet culture Mm -hmm. um so what did you learn from from her yeah so I connected with Filson um in kind of the summer of 2020 um when I was still working at Vancouver Running Company and we started kind of a partnership um between the store and project love run um, and then in the last few months, I've been working really closely with her and helping support Project Love Run and their events. Um, you should check them out. It's a shameless plug. Sorry, Hale, if I'm not allowed to do that, but here we are. Um, anyway, we, she, a lot of what we do um, at the events that we host are um, uh, having discussions around sort of topics that intersect with running. Um, and a lot of what we've talked about recently at our events has been things like um, the wellness industry um, in running and um, body positivity um, and like fat phobia and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's been so interesting to have my eyes opened to so many different perspectives around that. Like, you know, we can talk all we like as, you know, privileged white women that already live in like relatively small bodies about the issues, but you know, we have to expose ourselves to other perspectives as well. Um, and Filson has done an amazing job of like highlighting people um, on and people to go and kind of um, read about or you know follow on Instagram or podcasts to listen to, um, and then obviously having these discussions around these topics um, about people that have got such different lived experiences to our own. Um, and it's sort of one of the biggest um, things that's super interesting is like how much the like diets and wellness um, and and like just fat phobic world that we live in is like is was started in kind of anti-blackness and racism and it's just like massively white filled with white supremacy just because so much of it is just like white people centered at the 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 whole heart of it really um and black people being just you know vilified for the way that their bodies are because they're different um yeah it's it's been crazy to like have my let's say have my eyes open to all of that um and alongside that, Filson has has um, 
highlighted a lot of her work to me as well, but I've also, and I read her book, um, is Chrissy Harrison is her name, who wrote the book Anti-Diet, and if, you should definitely read that if you haven't already, um, it's an incredible book that really, like, dispels so many diet culture and wellness myths, um, and honestly, until I read that book, or I listened to it, but still, um, I had no idea that so many of these things were even myths, you know, there's things like the, like, the BMI, um, scale um it's just basically a made-up thing um by like a bunch of white doctors to like make people feel bad um and even I'm going to forget the exact like context of it now but even like obesity is a term that was really coined again to like um make people in larger bodies feel bad um it's all there's so much craziness and and she even dives into a lot of like studies that have been done on like the way that sugar affects your body and you know you probably remember too and it still is to an extent like the way that sugar is demonized in like the diet world well in the yeah in the diet world now um as, as being seen as such a terrible thing for you um but yeah there's like some crazy study that's basically the the effect on your and stress on your body of not eating sugar is like worse than eating like than eating sugar it's it's I can't, I'm gonna again I butchered that study but that's kind of the premise of it and it's that sort of stuff is just you know it's just not talked about and it's so interesting to have like that kind of uh to read about that kind of stuff and just really open my eyes to different perspectives on like the diet culture where it comes from um and like you know basically the whole sort of um craziness of of the wellness industry in general and how they just want they just make you feel like a a small body and a fit body is the only thing that really matters in life. Yeah, because that's how you make money. Mm -hmm, Make people believe that you absolutely need this to be worthy of anything. And then they will spend, spend, spend on Mm -hmm. whatever solution you come up with to get them there. Um, Yeah. And then you almost get angry that you get roped into this, this stupid fuckery, but um, those are some, those are some really great resources to get people started. But I'm wondering now, like you finished your bio with food is just food, um, (laughs) which I think is, it's such a simple comment, but it is such a hard place for people to get it. So what kind of tips or wisdom would you have for people who are maybe just sort of realizing like, okay, this isn't where I want to live for the rest of my life, or I'm not going to enjoy any time. Gosh, tips and wisdom. I'm not sure I'm a very wise person. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, I would say like, there's, I said, yeah, food is just food now. But I'd also say like running is just running. Like, um, for me anyway, and I know that I know that some people have see running really differently to to what I do. But um, just where I am now, that's kind of how I have to see it. It's like, it's a way for me to like get outside and enjoy some fresh air. And, you know, to the trails and you know experience nature and go to cool places and stuff but it's there's so much more to life than running and food is just food to fuel you there um and you know luckily I have I'm in the headspace where like you know I don't really demonize any food anymore I'm not perfect and uh, there's certainly things that still like come back and haunt me every now and then but like I won't even think twice about like you know eating pasta four nights in a row for dinner um whereas you know previously that would have been like a cheat meal for me um but I think how I got there was honestly it was tiny little things over the course of a reasonably long period of time like I would say this whole thing to get from like where I was um when I lived in London to now is 
basically been ongoing the whole time I've lived in Canada, which is six years now. Um, and it started with just like that recognition that what I was doing was just like not healthy. Um, not just from like the, the food and exercising perspective, not being healthy, but just the, the amount of time that was being consumed in my mind by food and exercise. Um, I think like having different priorities in life and to say that shift from living in London to moving to Canada and having to kind of like um, change my life here really that really helped to have a different perspective on something Um, but mostly it's just been like little things all the time just like keep like telling myself that you know it doesn't matter what other people think it doesn't matter what other people think Um, you know your body is not like what you are worth like you know you're worth so much more than how your body looks um and sometimes definitely as I said you know I'll catch myself staring in the mirror at my body and being like oh you know remember when like I had a six-pack or like remember when my thighs didn't rub together um but just reminding myself that like that doesn't define who I am either and it's awful that like I even thought that in the first place but I think Sometimes you also just didn't didn't even realize that that's what I thought either. I just I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but I think just working really hard to differentiate the two. Like you know, my body is just my body, and it's done some incredible things, and I've run some incredible races, and at times I've run fast for me, and you know that was great too. Um, but yeah, it's just that continual reminding myself that like my body is does not define my worthiness just like keep having to remind myself that basically every day (laughs) it's hard work but it's worth it totally yes all those things I think and I can totally relate to and then calling other people out on it and making sure that we don't pass it on to to other people yes Um, exactly and that's really challenging because you know everybody's at different places in their journey with this and you know I've definitely had conversations with people where they've said things I'm really uncomfortable with and sometimes I've called them out on it and it's led to either a great conversation sometimes it leads to a really awkward conversation sometimes they just don't even recognize what you're trying to say um but yeah just trying to like give you and I think also just recognizing that you can't force people to get to that place where they're not ready to um but yeah just trying to like disrupt people's thinking in that about the wellness culture about the wellness industry and what you know is an ideal in inverted commas body um yeah, as best you can, um, is, is really something that we all have to keep doing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And then, I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but like, I guess I have conversations with some people where I can tell that like, it's so removed from something that they actually care about Mm -hmm. that it's kind of refreshing too, to talk about like, I don't know, I might have to cut this out. Maybe this isn't making any sense. Um, (laughs) do I think I know what you mean though yeah like when people like Katie like Katie talks about her bride bod but I know for a fact that she gives zero shits and like because we were like eating dinner at her house and she just casually like uber eated um her ordered uber eats of like four blizzards just to like have (laughs) her house so there's something refreshing where I'm like, oh, she can joke about this without it actually having any real weight. Um, yeah. No pun intended. Um, on her mental kind of view. And then I think I find that nice because I'm like, I could show up 10 pounds heavier um, one day and I don't think she would ever notice. Like yeah. she just doesn't notice that in people. 
Um, yeah. So it's like, okay, this is a, this is like a place you can get to too, where it just doesn't have to be a thing for you. Yeah. And I, there's definitely some people out there who have, have, and yeah, same, some of our, some of our friends, Katie is definitely one of those people that doesn't seem to have that piece in her brain that worries too much about her body, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, and you're right. It's refreshing sometimes to be around those people and be like, okay, like, I don't feel like a, I have to talk about it or B, I need to worry about how I look around them. And I mean, that's really sad that there are some people and not really necessarily anybody that is like our friend, but like, um, there are some people that I'm around that I know I kind of worry about my body around them. I like worry about how I look when I'm with them because I know that they pass judgment on other people's bodies. Yeah, for sure. And that is a goal. I want to make sure that like, I never have that, um, around my stepdaughters or, son because mm-hmm. I think it can come from the generation above us inadvertently as well and oh anyways, that's a whole other podcast I, I was gonna say that's like <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about intergenerational trauma with weight loss it's definitely another podcast I think <laughs> totally and it's not their fault either right like it's no. just like they were brainwashed the same without the knowledge of like whoa look what media does to people so yeah. anyways we'll cross that bridge another another day <laughs> I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I think just having these conversations, like every time we talk about it, I get so many people reach out and, and say, thank you. I've had one person be like, oh my God, stop talking about this. Nobody cares. Um, and then I looked at their profile and they just had like a six pack. And I'm like, mm, I wonder if you have a different experience. <laughs> I feel like that's, I mean, that in itself is like a huge privilege to be able to say like, nobody cares. It's like, well, you know, you have to understand that other people care. So yeah. Totally. Totally. Exactly. Um, well, okay. Last two questions. Um, favorite meal now post any run or just in general, what's your favorite meal now that you love to enjoy? I forgot that you asked these questions at the end. I should have really done my homework. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, burger and fries always. And the burger should have cheese and bacon on it too, because it's delicious. You just can't really go wrong with that, can you? I know. Like, you just exactly, can't. yeah. Yeah. Burger and salty yeah. fries is always the best for me after a big run or a big race. Yeah. Totally. Um, okay. If our listeners want to find more of you, what is your Instagram, Facebook, or any place that you don't mind being publicly found? Or if you don't oh. want to say that, that's fine too. <laughs> um, I mean, you can try and find me on Instagram, but I have a private account, so you'll get vetted before I let you follow me. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Um, yeah, my Instagram handle is real C eighty five. But yeah, you I'll say I don't really post very much, so maybe cut that bit out. <laughs> no, but if anybody maybe wants to learn more about like how you found Phil's in or anything like that, check out totally, messages. Yeah. We'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody wants to reach out to chat about this podcast, that's fine, absolutely. And yeah, then and then if they want to find out more about Philson and Project Love Run, then the um Instagram is just at Project Love Run on Instagram. Yes. And um I'll go back, maybe I'll link to her episode two because that was a really people really enjoyed that they got a lot of it that one okay well thank you for your covid time and i hope that the rest of your isolation goes well and that you feel better i am absolutely exhausted and feel like i need a nap now well i think we're both deserving up after that i hope you're feeling better soon thank you